the Endurance Asia podcast. Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, yo, they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Endurance Asia podcast. And this week we are joined by Janet Ung and Steve Brammer, absolute stalwarts of the Asian trail running community and, and in Hong Kong, the race directors of the very first 100-kilometer solo race, which is the Hong Kong 100 uh, in uh, in Saikun, in uh, Northern Territories in Hong Kong, and really just one of the most stunning, beautiful races in, in the region. Uh, I got to race this year, 2023, and we talk about some of the results and some of, and the actual the challenge that was this year. As well as the genesis of the of this race, where it came from, how it came to be part of the Ultra Trail World Tour, and really one of the preeminent uh, long distance solo ultras in the region. Uh, fantastic chat! Just really, these these two are amazing. Such an unbelievable com- uh, couple that have given so much to the trail running community in the region, and you can just sense and feel their their love for the sport and their commitment to it and the community as well um so we also i i catch up with uh with rick mr rick stockfish uh at the at the end uh we discussed the the um recent mountain goat challenge which uh which came to uh came to a finish this uh this past weekend and i gave it a little bash myself and we talk about um we talk about that effort but uh but yeah enjoy this chat with with janet and steve they uh and and, and also i highly recommend putting in your race calendar for 2024 to get up to hong kong um for the race again in january Give the, the there's a you can do the trio of races or the Grand Sam as we talk about, which is the thirty kilometer or the third, and then the half, and then the full on consecutive days. Uh, but yeah, start uh, start putting in your diary for for next year. So with that, here we have Janet Ung and Steve Brammer. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Janet Ung and Steve Brammer, absolute pleasure to have you on the Endurance Asia podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure's all ours, Scott. Great to see you. A, a Friday night on a, on on St Paddy's night as well. So I, I appreciate you you joining quite late, and um, you're coming back off the back of like I think it was three or four weeks ago. It's kind of like a distant memory now that we had Hong Kong 100, the the first in-person event that both you, you you guys have run since 2019 right so uh 2020 was the last uh, of course 2020 was the last one yeah, yeah last physical edition um and it was kind of remarkable that we got that one away because if you cast your mind back um there were protests going on in hong kong so a few of the yeah. races were were being cancelled um and we we sort of held our nerve really and and kept going but so in the window opened up almost where 
we uh, had in January 2020, we had the, the Hong Kong 100. And then within two weeks of that, the whole world changed, hopefully not forever, but uh, the, the yeah, yeah, the pandemic I, struck. I remember vividly because I, I was doing the, I did the four trails in, oh, I, I said I did it, I attempted it in the end of January 2020. And so, but I remember 2019 was the, was supposed to be the Oxfam Trail Walker, which ended up being a virtual version that year, right? And, um, and so I, I didn't know whether you'd actually threaded the needle, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but so like getting it back for the first time in three years, like how did it feel? I, I can imagine for you guys, it would like dusting yourselves off of like organizing a major event again. Did, was it, was it like riding a bike, Janet? Or was it a bit like, uh, oh my God, I've forgotten how to do this. Let me just get the, uh, get the race director hat back on. It was. I mean, we we felt that everything felt a bit rusty. I mean, even though we did hold uh, virtual events uh, in in the last couple of years, but it's just so different from organizing a, a real physical event. And of course, we didn't really get the go ahead from the government until around mid-December that we know that for sure we can hold it uh, in the capacity that we asked for as well. So everything was like we we basically condensed like what needs to be done in half a year into basically like a month and a half and it was long days and long nights uh, and also the thing is uh, quite a few of our suppliers is no longer in business because of the pandemic so it was a lot of like um yeah running around and yeah putting heads together and see yeah what's plan b what's plan b but um yeah no we're, we're happy and we kind of realized that because of that you know with the really short notice our usual uh contractor on the logistics side yet yeah, isn't in the business anymore same kind of thing with with other contractors so we kind of realized that we were just we had to get it done as well as we possibly could but it was one of those uh, cases where perfection would definitely have been the enemy of the good so so just yes. getting it done was the important thing and getting it done sort of safely and 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 so on but what was incredible was uh well two things one is um the participants themselves and their attitude towards the whole thing which was joyful and forgiving and patient um it was just fantastic being back one-on-one yeah. -on -one with physical runners uh taking on the challenge um all together and and the kind of welcome back motif i think everybody really felt and and so it, it was the, the kind of the enthusiasm and, and just the joy that we're all back together and doing what we love was tangible we felt anyway but yeah I, I mean, being there, I absolutely felt it as well. Like it really did. And it was, was it the first like major ultra race in Hong Kong that's sort of come back since? Like, because uh, I know then there's been a slew since, right? But yours was like the first at the scale of like over 50K and sort of like over a thousand participants. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So basically we were the last one really up uh, to uh to hold the event in 2020 and it was really like a week after our event and um, everything got shut down uh because of the pandemic and then we we kind of we are the first one to restart actually um yeah, yeah it, it, it really felt like yeah 
you close the curtains and you open them back up again exactly and, uh, i mean we're putting the hajiyas behind us now um yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, i love that saying steve though i love that saying don't let don't let perfection be the enemy of good my, my previous ceo used to say that to me and it was i think it's a really important it's like let's just kind of like get it out there and then we continue and improve and look you've been running this for sort of 12 years effectively now right and so you've got the format down but but still as you say it's gonna you're you just need to and you have such a short time frame to be able to to get out there i've got to say being at the start line the atmosphere just seeing the whole community the hong kong trail running community come out again it just the 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 sort of the, it was palpable the sort of excitement and the expectation and the enjoyment and the feeling of like the it was like a spring it's like coming out of a like a deep winter into spring like you honestly felt it it was so like when we were looking at the pictures afterwards i mean like it's just amazing how everybody looks so happy as well i mean we just loved it like yeah. maybe at the beginning maybe at the beginning janet maybe not <laughs> yeah. so much at the end <laughs> yeah when it got dark we didn't get any of the photos but yeah there were a lot of happy smiling faces we loved yeah did you make any changes for for this i mean obviously the course has uh, changed well it was originally around a 98 kilometer course and in fact actually let's talk about the genesis of the race because I, I lived in Hong Kong from 2009 to 2015. I landed in Hong Kong and I remember like being a bit of a hiker and then seeing Oxfam Trail Walker. I get, I get in the, the Hiker's Guide to Hong Kong book and seeing the four trail, four different trails in there and seeing the McElhoes and going, oh, it would be great to maybe do that in one go or maybe over. And then I realised that there was a, a, a major trail race which was the sort of I suppose pretty much one of the genesis of trail running in in Hong Kong the Gurkha route the Macklehose the Oxfam trail walker which started near on 30 years ago right um and I understand Janet you you raced it sort of like late 90s the first time that you actually gave Oxfam trail walker a go and uh and Steve for you like when was the first yeah, time 1996 was my first Oxfam trail walker is that yeah. right okay yeah. so I suppose both being sort of trail runners, like early in the trail running community in Hong Kong, like when did you um, really come up with the idea of uh, of actually having a like a solo race in Hong Kong? Because to that point, Oxfam Trail Walker being a team before, and there were very there weren't any sort of long distance. You had your Action Asia, fifty k's were the maximum, but there was nothing really, uh, um, yeah, going beyond that kind of distance in in uh, in the territory. Yeah, so as you say, Scott, I mean, we 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 did in, in those days have a individual uh, foot race of that distance. And so Steve and I, we've been traveling overseas to do uh, these uh, 100 kilometer events. And it was after we uh, participated in Ultra Trail Australia in 2010 that um, I think I attribute this to Steve's idea of organizing uh our event uh yeah so we it must have been it's probably may 2010 and uh we went down to Oz and i mean i spent quite a lot of time in australia I, I ended up in hong kong almost sort of i was on my way to australia from the uk to work it's i, I thought i'd work live and work in sydney and just never quite made it past hong kong um i don't blame you that was back in 1995 and so um so i've always really really like spending any time we could in Australia and we went yeah down to the Blue Mountains for the 
2010. Um, it was it was called No Face 100 Australia in those days. Okay. And we both had a really good time. Janet nailed it and was in the top 10. Um, I sort of plodded around and waddled my way in a, a little bit later. Um, but then we went exploring in, uh, in and around New South Wales. And that included a really boozy uh, dinner in the Hunter Valley, where the way Janet um, describes it is that I wouldn't stop talking about, we should definitely do a, a, a 100k individual race in Hong Kong, we should definitely do that. People will love it. We'll love it. It'll be great fun. They'll come. You know, if we build it, they'll come. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he just went on and on. Like He told me that he's booked this table in this nice restaurant. I still remember it's called Shaky Tables. Is that oh, nice restaurant in a in a winery? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the wine got the better of both of us. And Janet just, she agreed, she says, just to make me stop. <laughs> all the there? best laid plans yes. they yeah. always happen after a few drinks and uh and you come up with something a stupid crazy idea which uh which you regret at a later point <laughs> but as you say i mean like we uh we we all started off um doing trail running as um as uh, members of trail running teams and uh in in trail walker so a lot we know of a lot of friends uh, that do this sort of sport and we thought yeah maybe okay we'll just um organize this event and see if any of our friends are interested in trying it out as an individual uh event rather than as a team of four and it just started from there yeah i remember it very clearly because I, I think i did the first time i did trail walker was 2010 and i remember seeing advertising for it and i'm like ah oh, the challenge is i normally spend christmas boozing and drinking and uh and i don't necessarily like train during that period and um and then the the following year then all of a sudden it became impossible to actually get a spot in it like oh well not impossible but yeah you know yeah it got like within a couple of years i know that obviously started from humble beginnings but very quickly gained traction and then it was the preeminent event in the in the region right and you must have been one of the first 100k races actually in asia right Probably, yeah. I mean, I think there might have been a North Face 100 Beijing beforehand. Um, and yeah, there was North Face 100 down in the Blue Mountains. But uh, no, I mean, I think that's right. Basically, we we sort of had a, almost a first mover advantage in terms of 100k individual um, and, and where we were, I think, super lucky in terms of how popular the race became very quickly was the course. And uh, I mean, certainly... I mean, we like it so much out out the kind of Hampton, um, you know, those beaches, Long Cay and that sort of thing. We, we like it so much that we've moved out here actually now. And so, yeah. you know, getting... Where getting, do you live exactly? So, uh, you know, when you cross the road at the end of Maclehose Stage 2 and you're about to climb uh, Ngao Yi Seksan, so there's a steep climb up at the start yeah. of uh, Mac Stage 3. We're yeah. just over a kilometre down the hill towards Wong Shek, so kind of oh, away from wow. Saikong. Um, yeah. yeah, we moved here two years ago, so, um, and, you know, basically to be surrounded by what we think are the, the best trails by a mile. Yeah. And, um, so we're, we're just a, a, a kilometre, two kilometres from a couple of the of our checkpoints. Yeah. Checkpoints mm. uh, two and three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very near where we are. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, obviously having done Oxfam Trail Walker, 
you're inspired by the the McElhose as well. But there's there's large parts of the McElhose which are like road and it's not the most ideal uh like course so like what inspired like how did you start mapping out the course when you decided got back from australia and go okay it, it makes sense but like what what route are we going to do like how we, did you start we thinking were kind around? of lucky because we we knew the mackleholes trail like the back of our hands but we also knew the frustrations with it you know uh instead mm. of um on stage two instead of hugging those beaches a bit longer because they're just magnificent you you turn away from them almost at the first sniff and that that always drove me a little bit nuts um and then always felt that um when you get over time ocean you need to finish now you've done all the hard work and um, you've seen all the best bits and of course trail walk and love trail walk to bits uh you know we, we absolutely adore that race but the 10 kilometers on a concrete road um followed by a sort of wiggle around a, a reservoir when you're done you know no one's going to touch wood dnf around that part you you you've done all the hard work and yet you still have to do what is is actually not that glamorous whereas we so we thought get over time ocean and then get to the finish as soon as possible um and so yeah we've sort of found another 20k of kind of beautiful coastal scenery to to go around um, and taken out that kind of 10k on a concrete road um after uh root twist um and then yeah. yeah that last bit out so and we we were lucky that we knew the, the area really well but we also had lots of friends you know Andre Bloomberg contributed a bit uh Chokin and uh, and Ida who are trail legends here in in Hong Kong and a whole bunch of other people um, gave us sort of little tidbits, you know, try this, try that. And it's, yeah, it's super helpful um, and really good fun, actually. Um, you know, if, if you haven't before, plotting plotting race routes like that is great fun. And, and a lot of trial and error, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be good. It looks great on a map. You get there and it's skanky or it's not passable or there's a dog problem or, you know. So it's, it's a real adventure, actually, um, doing that. Yeah, and I mean, mapping it out must have been so much fun. But the course has also evolved over time, right? So I think originally it was like a ninety-eight k course, and you've um, you've you've plugged in another hill, get to get a little bit more elevation. So tell me about like, yeah, what was what was the original distance, and then what has it evolved to? So ish ninety-eight k could have been even slightly less than that to start with, um, and then it's now sometimes measures at 103 it's always you know it depends who's who's watch but um we we bill it as about 103k now and a couple of reasons for, for some of the changes one was a an ETRA points issue about about four or five years ago where we needed a, a little bit more elevation a little bit more yardage to uh get the the correct number of ETRA points um, but then perhaps more importantly was in 2016, um, we changed the finish so that instead of just running down from Time Ocean on the road, because in 2016 it was freezing cold and literally Time Ocean Road froze. I remember that that's when you had like cows sliding down the top of Time Ocean off the that road and it. stuff, right? It was yeah. like, yeah, it was a real crazy year for you guys. Yeah, that was a real crazy year for us. You're absolutely right. And um, so what we ended up doing was uh, instead of running down the road, which was you couldn't really get down because cars had were just nose to bumper um, originally. And then it and then it iced over. So we um, 
took the initiative at the time to move the course off the road and back onto the trail for that last bit. And then Francois then went and broke the course record running that um, that course. And so we kept it afterwards um, because otherwise the course record it would all become a little bit hazy as to which route are we talking about in terms of course records. So did um, we accidentally go that route that year or it would already it was wrapped so, out that year? So we, we we changed at the last minute to say, no, get off the road. It's not it's not so safe and get onto the yeah. trail. And of course, that makes it a little bit more difficult. And it also psychologically, it, it really can play with your mind. Because... And it's the actual McElhose, uh trail as well, Correct. right, isn't it? Rather yeah. than the road. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. also after that year, we did a little survey amongst our trail running friends. And most of them, actually, I think everyone apart from Steve voted for the new route. Um, yeah. everybody wants to come down through the trail um, so mad. we get They're it. all mad <laughs> <laughs> whereas no I was convinced that trail runner mentality you've got overtime O'Shan you're 98 kilometers or something into the and you want to bomb down you as just want to bomb, possible. switch off your mind not have to think about anything technical no more climbs just um, switch off your mind and run down the white line to the finish line and glory but I was yeah. uh, heavily outvoted I mean it wasn't even <laughs> Thankfully so, Steve, because I, I ran it this year and it's been it's been one of those races on my bucket list for, for many years. And actually, like last few years, I've been training for four trails or before that, as I say, it's often like I've been too like drunk over Christmas to think about getting sober enough for the end of January to be able to, uh, to be able to race. But it's been on my bucket list for a while. And to race it this year, the first one coming back, as we talked about the start line, the overall sort of enthusiasm and just all of the community came out felt great um it was just a it's just a beautiful course to run and I've done McElhose four times I, I like the Oxfam trail walker four times and it was so nice seeing a guy it's like different parts where I'm like, oh, I've not been here before I've never done this trail before and so for anyone that's done trail walker it's like it's a good experience finding something different but um but yeah this year how did you like a lot of people struggled this year, actually. It was quite interesting. There was, um, I mean, some incredible performances at the very pointy end, but a lot of the sort of like mid to high packers, like a uh, um, lot of people struggled, even like to the point of, um, yeah, like Jay from North Face Adventure Team. And I mean, I, I saw Jeremy uh, Jeremy Ritchie at the um, at Lebmine Pass and it was absolutely broken at that point. And I've... Uh, you know, one of the best. I mean, one of the. I think he's finished every single year, or he's got like a sub he's, sixteen I think he's, he's every year, right? Under sixteen hours every single year. Yeah. Yeah. How many people um, have done that out of interest? How many people have done sub sixteen every year for? Oh, I'm testing you now. Yeah. It's uh, well, definitely Jeremy. Jeremy, Chalkin. John, Chalkin. John. I think I think they're the only I'm not sure we're not somebody that would be criminal but I think it's those three that have gone under 16 every single year which is incredible yeah 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 so so what did you think about this year I mean obviously it's the first race back so a lot of people haven't necessarily traveled overseas for races so a few people might have been a bit rusty but um but yeah how did you think it will pan out yeah I I think it was a little bit hotter so we were looking sort of very scientifically and and very often at the weather forecast coming into the race as you, as you always do and uh, Thursday for the third was kind of the perfect running day in Hong Kong Friday was just warming up a wee bit but still good 
and Saturday warmed up significantly. Now it wasn't, you know, it was a lovely day to be out and about in Hong Kong, but maybe slightly too hot and humid to be running 100k with 5,000 something meters of, of vertical gain. And um, I think that took its toll. And I think the other thing is we're all beginners again. You know, um, you, so many of us have forgotten what it takes to run a 100k course. Um, how to adjust because it's a bit hotter uh, and so on. So we had the highest DNF rate we've ever had at 35%. Is uh, that right? Just, just under. So 65 point something finished and 34 point something um, DNF. And that's the highest it's ever been by, by about 4%. Wow, that's crazy! I didn't realize that the the DNF was was that high. What? And you think it was just mainly the weather that was causing? I think that? it's uh, a factor of it's two factors really. One is the weather, and it was you know Yo Pei Chan got to the finish line, and you know he he holds the course record at ten hours. Yeah, what was minute. the course record? Ten, ten hours, hours, one minute, one minute, basically. Yeah, um, and he in at, at ten thirty seven, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and he said that. He still thinks it can be done, uh, but not on a day like today. Sub ten. Um, so yeah, sorry. So he he still thinks it's possible to go sub ten, and and he you know that was his goal. Obviously, if you've already done ten hours in a minute, but he said he said he still believes it can be done, but not in conditions like um, back on the eighteenth of February uh, this year. Basically, I think um, everyone that I asked this year how it went, everybody thought it was hard. Like. The, the three things cramps overheating and stomach problems like yeah almost every single I think apart from one person and even that it was um uh, Alan Alan was like he was the only one that says oh it's fine had a, had a nice time but then even that like two minutes later you had to lie down <laughs> like, and yeah, went yeah. The, one or it two people who, for whom it was uh, Ludovic Reams who of course was the the first smashed it non mainland chinese finisher on the on the men's side and he seemed to found the whole thing really positive and and he just said he just fed off the positive energy of the volunteers and the aid stations and and i think he ran quite a clever race he started he was a wee bit back and then uh he, he came up the field in the second half and uh, i think that's probably the way to go on a hot day to, to sort of as it cools down a bit to really accelerate through the field and so uh, yeah ludovic i remember speaking to you at the finish line he said he kind of never missed a beat just loved it but a lot of other people were finding it yeah a wee bit too hot you, you know uh, nikki han who's a total legend said that she it became a bit of a, a trudge for her because she she found it a bit hot and so that seemed to be the story was that yeah people found it a bit hot and I, I and say it's perhaps me reading between the lines a bit that it's also you know you you get out of the habit of how do you manage yourself on these long races when you haven't been able to do it for three years uh, and, and I think the virtuals are a little bit different it doesn't there's not that same temptation to get carried away yeah, you don't have the you don't have the start line fever or race face as my mates call it. Like uh, like when you get up, yeah. There's a couple of people I saw that saw at the big start line. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna like I'm gonna like really go for it. And I I was just like, oh, okay, that's cool. Good luck. Yeah. And um and then like uh, 
past them after 30k like broken and got cramps and stuff it's like okay but uh, there's what actually it's funny like henry henry lokanen uh i never know how to pronounce his surname but he's based in singapore now so i've like trained with him occasionally and he hadn't he had a phenomenal race actually he like i think he like finished uh fastest time that he's ever done it um henry um is it lekanen or um but yeah, he ended up. I think at, I hear it uh, as Lekkonen, but yeah. Lekkonen, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's, it was his, he's obviously, I think, known five or six times, or and um, and he had his first his time. And everyone's going, oh, you live in Singapore now. There's no way you're going to be able to do it. But he he actually lives right by Bukatima Hill and he's up and down there every lunchtime. So, and, and he'll be uh, heat adjusted. Exactly. Yeah. And so the two of us were, well, I, and I, I tell you what, what worked out for me really well um, when running is I just went out very chilled very slow and so didn't and a lot of people like racing for the first bottleneck as you turn up the, the initial hill and i was like oh cool i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna i was chatting to will hayward and just cruising through and so for the first like two or three k i was just like stuck in the bottleneck just having a chat really enjoying it and just chilling out and then uh and then as it thinned out then it was like okay can start putting the throttle down and then you'd like just pick people off as the day goes on and i think it's yeah. a it's almost like the john ellis style of like going out slow and then just picking people off and uh i think um yeah it was uh was quite nice but yeah so and, and it was when i passed jeremy though and just to see him absolutely like broken had been throwing up for a few hours i was like okay yeah there's uh there's um a lot of people have, sh- have struggled there but it, you might it's always you must be quite proud almost like when you've got a race course that's like hard enough that that like 34 percent of the field like struggle to finish i would actually be pretty proud as a race director with that's that. not not how we roll not, not how you look at it no if if 100 could finish we'd like 100 to finish like i know yeah. barclay has just been going on but that we're kind of the certainly our mindset is is the accessible of of laz um yeah no, we. I, I love, for example, that in the thirty-three k, the DNF rate was one percent. Three people, wow, didn't finish the thirty-three k, and it's a tough course. You know, it's got a yeah over a thousand meters of climbing on it. Um, but looking at that and seeing that uh, all bar three managed to finish it, that makes me sort of prouder than 35 percent not finishing the 100 no we we i get it and you had to move the cutoff for one of the events as well for one because i think now because of the yeah one of the checkpoints you had to sort of change the cutoffs right yeah the cutoff was changed by 14 minutes so extended because the start uh, all three starts were slightly delayed because uh, we we needed an okay from the police for traffic um traffic sort of safety and so uh, yeah, we extended all of the cutoffs in the end by uh, 14 minutes. Um, but again, that that was sort of a bit of a, a wrinkle to, to have to sort of organise that. And, and there were a few people grumbling a bit who who missed cutoff by, you know, 15 or 20 minutes and, and so on. That um, So, um, yeah, that it was, again, not having organised the race for three years. And the police said to us this year, we definitely want to stop the traffic and um, because we haven't in the past we've it, it, you're behind the country park gate so there hardly yeah. there's hardly any traffic um and yet next year we'll do that differently to make sure that it it's sort of much smoother because uh, it was quite hard to basically a policeman who was probably 400 yards up the road trying to get messages to us at the start line we couldn't see him so it, it all turned into slightly keystone cops 
um, attempt to get the race started. So, yeah, 40 yeah. minutes later, the start. And, and again, this is indicative of, of the mood, of the atmosphere, and, and people were super patient. And, you know, no one grumbled. They just smiled and stood and, and started late. And nobody seemed at all um, antagonized by it, where, you know, you could imagine people getting quite grumpy you know in, in the UK in February I think there'd be a sort of why are we waiting chorus but uh, no people just patiently waited and, and then off they went a little bit delayed and I think it's just the it's a measure of how much goodwill there was and how much excitement about being back um, that people were, if they're waiting three years are happy to wait another 14 minutes. Yeah sure and uh, hopefully next year you won't have to go off in waves as well right there won't be that requirement to to have to do that. We will go in waves, I think. Yeah. We will continue to, to use waves, especially for the, the bigger events, because we have 1,800 runners um, on the start line, and you we don't want to have the bottlenecks as much as we can, yeah. um, to the extent sure. we can. So I think it will still continue. The first wave, we will have the elites based on ETRIP scores, and then, uh, depending on on yeah the the, the ETRA scores, we we will divide all the runners into four waves. Yeah. So the so okay. wave start isn't a pandemic thing for for the hundred k. We introduced Got it pre pandemic uh, in, in order to uh, to lessen the impact of the bottleneck that you noticed. Um, yeah. That you referred to earlier on. I think if one thousand eight hundred all go off together that's going to turn into a bit of a circus. Whereas by going off in uh, four four waves of 400 something, it, it, there's still a little bit of a uh, of a snarl there, but it's manageable. Um, yeah, it makes, makes complete sense. One thing that was introduced this year was that obviously you've got three distances now. You've got the 33Ks you mentioned, you've got the 55 or 56K and then the 100K. Is that, yeah. um, and you had quite a few people actually turning up and doing the, like yeah, effectively it's a series but why sorry there is a name for it if you do all, grand you do sam the grand sam where does the name come from so it's two things it one is obviously obviously uh to the untrained ear like mine sam uh or sam sounds like three in cantonese so the grand ah. and uh sam tam uh, who is married to Ivy Chong, who is the race manager, who's a total and utter legend. Uh, and yes. Sam proposed to Ivy at the finish line of Hong Kong 100 back in okay, it was know, those 2012 got you. or something like that. Um, and Sam, when we introduced the uh, 50K back in 2020, the first person, in fact, the first person to say, I want to do both was Sam. And the only person to finish both was Sam. Then when we introduced the 33K uh, this time round, again, Sam was the first person to say, I'm doing all three. Um, and of course, all 10 of the people who did the Grand Sam finished the Grand Sam, which is just fantastic. Um, Amazing. And, and yeah. the, the whole thing was, was was brilliant fun. We weren't sure. You know what it's like? You have a, a daft idea. I don't know how much alcohol was involved in this one. This time. <laughs> Um, a daft idea and think well let's let's give it a go and then you give it a silly name and and then 10 people turn up and and before you know it That's, you've got a, a what an amazing story so this is the first year that, that, that you've done that right and so it's always and and that was one thing like I loved about the nine dragons concepts the 50 mile 50k and like so do you think this is going to gain a lot of traction for future years uh hopefully it's a bit of fun 
Uh, actually, last year we already had something uh, which is the Grand Slam for the virtual. So we introduced the 33K last year um, yeah, for the virtual. For the virtual. Yeah. So some uh, quite a lot actually of runners were already doing all three events. But of course, with the virtual, they've got one whole month, Over a month. to do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This one is very hardcore. Yeah. 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 Three distances in three days or four days. Um, and then I when we it. introduced virtually the Grand Slam uh, last year, of course, a, a bunch of people decided, well, I'm going to do them all back to back. So literally uh, just one after the other with no break. And the first person to do that was uh, Royal Campos, who's, who's known as Gold. So doing them all back to back um is called the Gold Slam. So you've got a Grand Slam, a Gold Slam and a Grand Sam. Yeah. Uh, so okay. if, uh, if that doesn't confuse you nothing will but uh, uh, no i think that's awesome i think that's really cool and in fact it's like uh yeah it's piqued my interest for next year maybe because uh alex uh alex Ung as well came up from singapore he gave a go he was one of one one of the 10 as yeah, well he smashed it um, he smashed yeah it. did did really well and, and, so and also, from, could... also from singapore was lawrence who who uh, also uh got through it very comfortably and had a really good time uh, yeah. So yeah, two two finishers of the inaugural Grand Sam from Singapore. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, I think you'll probably have more than ten people come and join you next year. Uh, next year for it as well. And um, we mentioned the Itra points just then. So you're like you based the waves upon that. But Janet, a couple of years ago, you became the the president after being the treasurer of Itra for for a few years. Um, and the International Trail Running Association, I think for anyone that's actually wanted to look at like their previous race results, it is basically the library. It's the de facto place to go and uh, to be able to go and look at. I, I'm Whenever I'm interviewing people, it's like where I go and do my research as well. And uh, um, but, yeah, I, I'm interested in the last couple of years since you um, since you like became president of the association or um, what. What have you seen? What have you seen change within the the organisation, and and what are you trying to do over the next uh, the next couple of years? Yes, yeah, so Scott, as you said, I mean, I have been involved in with ITRA since 2015. I mean, ITRA was um, set up in 2013, and so I've seen ITRA from the days when it was a baby to now. Um, I think it's still um, a, a teenager, so to speak. Um, but um, we have been doing quite a lot. I became the president about uh, a year and a half ago in September 2021. And, and of course that was um, during the COVID and uh, it was uh, a, a challenging times actually um, with no races happening anywhere in the world. I mean, I think things started to come back last uh, summer uh, but uh, ITRA itself, we had to go through quite a, a, a challenging <laughs> um, couple of years during COVID. But um, I, I, I think we, we've come through it um, and stronger, um, definitely, yeah. because I think with the pandemic, it does help force us really to look at like whether there's anything we need to like improve to to get better and more efficient in 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 doing and um so now i think looking back what we have achieved in the last couple of years is we've really now been been um able to have a 
proper ownership, uh, full ownership of our own core assets and, and technology. Um, our yes. cost structure uh, is revised. We are less dependent on organizer members. And uh, what new initiatives we have introduced is you might um, have been following the um, the new format of the trail running championship. So now it's a combined world mountain and trail running championship. Uh, the first yep. one happened in November Chiang, uh, in Chiang Mai. Yeah, exactly. Followed it exactly. closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was such an exciting event to see the best of the best from around the world um, competing in all sorts of distances. Uh, it, it, it was amazing. And uh, the next one will be in in June in Innsbruck in Austria. And uh, the other thing we did um, in the last couple of years is to launch the Green Charter. I mean, lo knowing uh, what's going on in the world with the uh, global climate change, we thought that like for ITRA as a trail running association, we should do something um, to, to play our part really in uh, be as green as we can um, get organizers and runners to think about green issues. So we launched the Green Charter and with that, we also uh, started something called the National League, uh, which is, again, it has a, a very much a green theme to it to encourage people to run in their own countries or territories. Uh, and it's an inclusive league. Um, again, uh, it's, it's really trying to get runners to... Uh, to focus more on uh, races in their own countries and and really to, um, to to be able to compete even if we can't travel around the world and join all the amazing glamorous events around the world. Um, yeah. And the other thing we did, we starting is a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. With ITRA, you've got a podcast coming up as well. Yeah, we are. We are. We've we've actually done two episodes now, um, and uh, we're yeah moving along with that. Um, it's it's quite exciting. It's new for Etra, but uh, again, it's it's one way for us to really put ourselves in front of our community. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I think uh, I mean hats off to the development of the site. I know that you've got a team in Chamonix that are sort of like working on the, I take it they work on the site as well as all of like the support and everything from, um, for, for ITRA. But the, the site has honestly in the last few years has come a long way. They've done a really good job. And I think that it's, uh, the user experience and everything is, is phenomenal. So hats off to the to the team there and um, and to everything they do. And obviously, as like a um, as like a non profit organization as well. Like the you know the focus is is about like if actually I'd love to hear what the kind of vision for ITRA is. Like what is it? What is the actual like mission vision of the uh, of the organization? Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, we we tried very hard with the technology and. It is in a way a technology company like we uh, association. Okay, it's nonprofit, but I think uh, as you say, so many people see Etra as uh, because of the Etra Performance Index, and uh, going forward, I think uh, people will be interested in their their position in their national leagues as well. And uh, that is uh, something that, uh, again, we, we want to develop, but just on a, in a wider um, 
uh, aspect of what ITRA does is really it's founded to promote trail running. I mean, back then, 2013, we see trail running growing um, very fast, but there isn't an association that try and give voice to runners and organizers and really try to build a global community to share knowledge. Um, some places, uh, trail running, it's a lot more mature and in other places, it's just completely new. Um, and uh, so I think having an association like ITRA to really share what like some in knowledge in some countries uh, with places where trail running is new is something that it's uh really worthwhile and just to bring the whole trail running community together i think that way the sport can grow in a stronger and healthier way um people can share know-how on safety on on green issues and uh i think with ITRA, we will still stay true to our mission of promoting trail running without really any i think um side or or hidden agenda because yeah. it is a non-profit we all do it for the love of the sport really yeah <laughs> all the members of the steering committee I myself we're not paid we're just doing it because we believe in the values and we we ourselves have received and got so much out of trail running ourselves that we just wanted to promote it and and to make this community, this global trail running community, stronger through ITRA. Yeah, that that's absolutely commendable, Janet. And to to invest your own personal time into trying helping the the global sport be be better is is impressive. And and also domestically in Hong Kong as well. I know the Trail Running Association of Hong Kong. You're like, uh, did you found that? You were one of the uh, initial founding partners of TRA HK. Yeah, I, yeah, we are <laughs> um, without sounding like busybodies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, surely you two have got day jobs as well. I know you're both like from the legal profession originally. Like, are you, are you, have you retired already, or are you still like grinding it out and there with with the white collar as well as the as well as the trail runners on? Yeah, no, no, no longer white collar on on legal work. I mean, like, I I I um packed it in uh, when. Hong Kong 100 got just so big that um, like unless we are happy to just spend like five minutes eating after work and forget, yeah. forget about our own traveling <laughs> as well otherwise like something got to give so um, I I have so I think when it was maybe 2014 that um, I stopped working as a as a as a lawyer and Steve has now retired as well from his legal job. So we're all both. Result, <laughs> living the dream up, <laughs> up in uh, Sai Kun. Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, but, you yeah, know, like TRHAHK is like, a, obviously, I think the trail running community in Hong Kong is amazing. Like, there's so many great trails so many great races and i think that it's really good to be able to bring and yeah i love love the like podcast as well that, that um steve phoebe and the team do as well and journalists do to be able to like share the stories of some of the great trail runners up there so yeah, yeah it's very cool it is, it is awesome i mean the whole cultural running community i think part so much of it is because like we all started trail running as uh with trail walker where it is a team event you have to, you have to help out each other. Like you have to support 
um, your 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 fellow runners, or if you're even not if you're not racing, uh, you will be out there supporting other teams. Um, yeah, so I think that's how uh, Hong Kong built such a strong and close knit community. It's pretty amazing. It's funny how Oxfam Trail Walker has been the has been where so many people have cut their teeth in trail running. There's every so many stories of people that I've heard that like first time they ever did a race was uh, like or certainly a long distance race. Obviously, people like. Um, yeah, even like like at the like Action Asia and the, and um, uh, Michael Matters there, and then you had the King the King of the Hills uh, series. Like, but in terms of long distance ones, like Oxford and Trail Walker was the very first. But I think it's also the charity aspect of it. The the fact that like if you if you knew you got a place, you had to raise like I think it was like it was a decent sum of cash, like thirty five thousand Hong Kong dollars. I can't, I can't quite remember what the, you had to raise for each team, but it, it like that almost gives the kind of brings the community feel to it because everyone's like promoting hey like doing this big race come and donate to it that everyone knows about it and everyone so it just i think that was a it's it's probably we we owe a lot to oxfam trail walk for the community of the hong kong i don't think anywhere in the world there's a trail running community like hong kong in terms of the the way that um we all support each other and and that you know if you need help it's offered and uh, the, the race organizers see each other as um, as colleagues and, and friends rather than as competitors. And I think oh, because of that, it, it's one of these, it's the opposite of a vicious circle. It's a sort of uh, beneficial circle where um, you, that's the behavior you see people modeling and, and people copy it. And so, yeah, in this sort of, relatively um small space you've got a an enormous number of trail runners b an enormous number of races c an, an enormous number of race organizers and volunteers but they all get on and they all help each other um and it's really special and and d you've got else. some really talented talented trail runners as well and like, yeah. like i know that hk 100 like uh, it was dominated by a lot of mainland chinese runners on, on the uh on, on the female side actually that it was predominantly hong kong runners as well right there was, was really interesting the top, top 10 women was split 50 50 between uh hong kong and mainland china um whereas yeah. of course the top 10 men were uh i think it was nine from china and one from holland but of course uh ludovic is um hong kong resident hong kong based yeah yeah, um, yeah and yeah i think it was really interesting on the on the female side to see uh the local trail runners really hold their own with with some incredible talent from from mainland china yeah. and, and of course Manny's incredible i'm just such a big fan of her she's so cool and she's like just such a phenomenal runner as well and uh and yeah i was running with kimmy a bit on the day as well she's uh she's fantastic but um i, I what there's one i know that you're both like pretty accomplished trail runners done lots of races but there's one race which you guys have done, which um, I remember reading back a, about a few years ago when you did it, but the the PTL, which is the part of the UTMB series, which everyone would know is you've got the main UTMB, which is 167K, and then you've got TDS and Triple C. But there's one that people don't necessarily know about, which is the PTL, which is the it's roughly 300 kilometers. And it's 
it has to be in a team race, right? So uh, like, t- tell us a little bit about it. And it's kind of almost the ethos of like Oxfam Trail Walker that it's a team race, but there's a bit more, bit more to it than, uh, than just 100K. You yeah. want to go? Well, uh, yeah, so we, we've, we've done Putel uh, twice now. Um, it twice? I, I, I only knew the year that you did it with Dominic, with Dominic Rigby as the year I remember it. But have yeah. you done it with him both times or who was the third no, wheel? No, that was the second time. The first time we did it, our, our teammate, it's called Jonathan Ng. Um, and uh, that was in 20, 2015. 2015 was the so first Janet time. Janet and Jonathan Ng um, and me. And people would see us and think that they were a married couple and I was their guide or something <laughs> till, till they saw my mountain skills. And then that, that theory wouldn't work. So it was quite confusing for people that, yeah, we were the married couple. And then, and then there's Jonathan, even though, yeah, Janet Ng and Jonathan Ng. So that was 2015. Yeah. Um, and then and there's this Dominic. Yeah. yeah did, so Scott, did you finish that first time round? Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the concept of the race is like 300k not marked course it's very much you need to do your own navigation or orienteering and could you map the course on a, on a gps watch still yeah totally yeah, yeah yeah so the first year um the first time we did it they they did issue i mean both times they issue physical maps and the first time you have to rely more on maps um but like with the improvement in technology you can download i mean the gps yeah. and then you can have the back ground map as well so everything you can actually read the contours and everything on your watch but yes it you it's it's not marked so the the three of you or the two of you so you can be in teams of two or three um and uh you just have to find finish the course um in a week like it kicks off on the monday and you have to be back in chamonix by sunday afternoon and um sleep uh and when you you need normally for us is if one of you feel very sleepy no you just have to keep <laughs> going yeah if, if two of you yeah okay then we can have a lie down <laughs> so it's a democracy yeah and, and so um but yeah which which of the years were like you most sort of proud of your like uh, performance in like uh, how long did it take you to um to to get it done 2015 was real skin of our teeth, seat of our pants. There was those couple of times when we thought we were going to get timed out. Um, the, the the last part, not everybody knows this about PTL, but they uh, we were lucky enough to hear some local knowledge that if basically by the last day you're past kind of the last life base and you, you've got a reasonable chance of getting to Chamonix, they'll sometimes flatten the course for you a little bit and say, well, don't go over that peak, come around the side. We were the beneficiaries of that in 2015. Um, so, yeah, skin of, skin of our teeth uh, stuff in 2015. A bit more comfortable in 2019. Because in 2015, very few teams finished, in fact. In 2019, the finish rate was uh, significantly higher. Because, um, of course, they change the route every year, and, it, and it's slightly... Oh, they do. I'm not sure they really know what they've set you sometimes, and so right. if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 2019, the finish rate was much higher, and we... We maybe got 11 hours of sleep, something like that, whereas it was more like eight hours of sleep the, in 2015. Um, so that, During the whole week, that's, yeah. yeah, in total. Yeah, and so 11 hours over, and so for the for 2019, how long, did, how many days did it take you to finish in the end? So both times uh, we took the, the full time allowed, basically, we were probably, if you've got till four o'clock in the afternoon, we were finished by about lunchtime. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that must have been an amazing experience. There, what a beautiful part of the world, and just to be cruising around with uh, with friends, and uh, um, yeah, it must have been must have been very good fun. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, like those are the places that um, I think even as a tourist or a hiker, you might not necessarily go, but like to just, yeah, be able to see all those like very remote places as a team of three, like with your with your husband, with your wife, with your buddies. Uh, no, it's great. It's a privilege. And we we it's the sort of experience where after a week of it you feel like you know each other you've known each other your whole life sort of thing it's a, it's like the same what same once you've seen each other pee in a bush you're like you're a different level of relationship <laughs> this is a sort of whole new level when you know when you've seen somebody fall asleep while walking uphill um then yeah at that stage i think you can say you know them pretty well and so- I, i've I, i've carried someone else's uh um feces in, in my bag and an adventure race where we couldn't actually we weren't it was going through a country park where we couldn't actually dig a hole for it and so yeah that's a different level of friendship when you were like uh, carrying someone else's crap in your, yeah, uh, that's in your backpack. You know them as well as you know your dog exactly yeah um it's quite quite hairy there were quite a few times uh when if you haven't got a real head for heights and i haven't um it can it can get a little bit intimidating so it's it's not for for everyone and and the first time i tried it my my mate and i pulled out after about 60 kilometers because we thought we were going to die um like pretty exposed ridges and everything yeah yeah and quite often there is no trail so you, you don't really know whether you're exactly on the right line or not and that sort of thing but in 2019 we we did quite a lot of it with a filipino team um three well two guys and, and one uh woman from from the philippines they were brilliant they were they were accomplished athletes um but they and i won't try and do the accent because i always sound uh, like i'm from the Caribbean when I try and do a Filipino accent but they basically said we're getting through this on a very high balls to skills ratio (laughs) yeah I like it I like it (laughs) that's very good are there any other like the the two of you have raced uh, quite a bit around the world are there any other races outside obviously your own uh, Hong Kong 100 which you go oh I love to go back to that one or that like uh, or that has been as holds a special place in your heart yeah we, we both have them yeah in fact how long have you got uh, there's, there's yeah. a couple of races in the uk that uh, that i've done and loved and would love to go back to one's the aonb and um, which is the area of outstanding natural beauty race and it's in it starts and finishes in woolacombe on the north devon coast so um just up yeah. from ilfracombe just just up from barnstable and there's a marathon i think there's a 10 or 15k and a half marathon and it, it just basically goes around the cliffs and beaches of of what I think is just one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I'd love to go back and do that one. And again, it's, it's a small back of an envelope um, race, racing, raising money for a hospice in North Devon. Um, and yeah, really, really good experience. You, you've got about six Ks to go on a hill to climb and they hand you a little glass of IPA to just help you up the road. Oh, you know, excellent. Um, a so beautiful yeah, part of the world, Devon. So yeah. lovely. So, yeah. so stunning. And for Janet, is there are there any yours that stick out? I know you've done a few, plenty through Asia and then Europe. Yeah, I think um, a couple of the more memorable ones for me is um, the 
great ocean walk in Australia. That is beautiful. I mean, I remember like just all these plants and the scenery. It's just so different. I mean, the plants just look so exotic and huge and uh, very memorable, like a very low key, but um, beautiful, very well organized. The other one, it's uh, definitely for me, Marathon de Sable, um, mm. which it's, I mean, again, like the, the, the night sky in the desert is just unbelievable. It's so beautiful. And uh, just doing a, a stage event um, in the desert for me is just very, I mean, it's not something that I have done before or might never do again. So very, very memorable. You've never done any of the Racing the Planet ones at all? No, never, no. Yeah. Um, And the one in Australia, is that Great Ocean Road? You say the Great Ocean Walk, but is is it in Victoria? No, Gow, Gow 100, so Great Ocean Walk 100. G-O-W, yeah, Yeah, we did it. Yeah, where is it? It it finishes just past the Seven Apostles. Okay, so it is along the Great Ocean Road, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember where it is what start. the name of the start is but yeah it's down in um victoria yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. yeah there's the great ocean road and the great ocean walk next to it almost i suppose next to it next door to each yes. other yeah but yeah and, and i suppose back back to home soil what is your favorite trail in hong kong and, and i probably have to say that it'd have to be off the hong kong 100 course you're not allowed to say the hong kong 100 course because we all know that that is one of the best uh, trails and courses in hong kong but yeah what's your favorite trail in hong kong i totally love the dragon's back um and it, yeah. it used to be a, a bit of a secret almost um and then but actually post sars when people realize how important it is to live a bit of a healthier lifestyle and get out and about post SARS it became sometimes a bit a bit of a victim of its own success it gets a bit overcrowded but if you can do it on a weekday um and also or if you've got friends visiting and you can take them yeah on a on a weekday to avoid the crowds yeah dragon's back is uh, that's not news to anyone but I still think it's just unbelievable it's the quintessential one isn't it it's like visitors to Hong Kong it's not too hard you can maybe even just like get the bus out to Sheko and just go and crack on into it as well. And um, yeah. and Janet, for you, which uh, which part of Hong Kong is? Uh... If I can't choose Saigon, yeah. hmm. um, we used to live in Causeway Bay. Um, so um, for us, uh, going up the hill into Violet Hill and Mount Butler, those for me, it's 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 yeah. great. I mean, like we we go there. I mean, I used to go there definitely every week if not every day and uh no it's, it's it's very nice i mean you you're just up on top uh, above the city and you've got them the city below you the the the, the waters um yeah i mean I, I like that a lot i thought you were going to say like uh, I know it's it's not quite your name, say, say Mr. Brammer, but I thought you were going to say Bramer Hill or around there. It's close to like uh, close to that hill. Like. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, and a friend, uh, Milos, who used to live in Hong Kong, is moved uh, back to Europe, and um, once sent me a. It turns out, photoshopped um, Bramer Hill sign to to Bramer Hill sign, and you couldn't tell it had been photoshopped. And I sent it to my brother, and he he said he, he, how little he knows about. Uh, anything really but he said uh, <laughs> oh have they have they done that because of hong kong 100 is that 
Have they like honored you, like you know, like Maclehose? And, and I, no, I think it's Photoshop. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, look, guys, I, I really appreciate you you coming on, but more than anything, appreciate that what you've done to be able to like contribute to the trail running community in in Hong Kong, putting on one of the first proper long distance races in Asia and uh, and just thoughts of the community and um, and I look feel very privileged to have like finally got to go and run run your incredible race as well it's like um any year that I'm not like attempting to to do four trails I will 100% be uh, be back every single uh, every single year but um yeah thank you so much thanks so much for for coming on and uh, and sharing your story and for your continuous contributions to the community it's been a, been a pleasure no worries, Scott. Total pleasure. But before we go, we should turn this round slightly. I mean, you've just done Hong Kong 100. Um, you couldn't do it before when you're living in Hong Kong because you ate too much at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> like how you've talked about the sort of energy and and enthusiasm at the start line, but how how did you find it as, as an experience? Was it everything you hoped it would be? Was it because you were one of the other, along with Ludovic and one or two others, you were one of the people who turned up at the finish line in pretty good shape and and uh, yeah you didn't seem to have been beaten up by by the humidity well i don't think you saw me like about 10 minutes after finishing like sneaking off around the corner and dry <laughs> reaching i think you missed that bit <laughs> my head between my <laughs> knees for a little bit um but but yeah absolutely just just loved it i mean i i think for anyone that's ever done the oxfam trail walker before you know a lot what you're going to expect but one thing i would say was that and actually, Henry warned me beforehand. Is that I, I like a, it was great having a um, a drop bag halfway through. So I, I left a, a set of poles, which I haven't trained with poles for gosh five years or so. But I'd like a, I'd left a set of poles halfway, so pe- checkpoint five or so, or um, and so smashed the way through without having a bag on the on, on the first half. But then checkpoint from stage four of the Mac, I forgot how bloody difficult stage four of the Mac is. So um, from where you basically pick up the episodes from stage five of Hong Kong 100. Um, my gosh, it's so tough, isn't it? And it just goes on and on and on. And uh, and it yeah, that seems beat, to be yeah. uphill as well, does it somehow? It was just, it was, uh, it was really difficult. And I've run out of water. And like, like, I tried to remember like to take a lot more water before going on that bit. But um I think as I looked at my timings was really and I compared myself to Henry the whole way. I was a couple of minutes behind after every stage, but that stage four I realized like beat me up. And um and it was the only stage where I was passing people the whole whole day. It was the only stage where one person passed me. But uh I yeah, I think just it was I it just brought so many memories back of years training on the Mackle hose and training for Oxfam Trey Walker and competing in it. And um and yeah, it was just an absolute joy. And that, like the last few times I've done Macklehose has been in the opposite direction. And so it was just uh, the whole thing about it. I just loved and just seeing the seeing the community out, seeing so many people out that have like friendly faces and stuff. And and one thing I would say as well is hats off to not just the organisation, but like all of your um, all of the teams in the checkpoints. Just everyone was delightful absolutely delightful they're just such and you could tell that they're like well-oiled machines they've done it before but you're just like rocking i just hand in my bottles i'm like 
fill those two up with water that one with coke I'm just going to sit here and just try and like slap myself into shape for a second but (laughs) every time going into every aid station the teams were fantastic like really just brilliant um yeah brilliant organization and just so welcoming and uh yeah so um yeah I was very pleased with the organization the aid stations everything that was available there and uh and the course it was I loved it. I can't wait to um I can't wait to compete again. 18th to 21st January 2024. 18th to 21st of January. So anyone that wants to do the Grand Sam, they need to book that full week off. The 18th to 21st of January 2024, they're going to be absolutely smashing themselves. Um, and for you guys, I know that Hong Kong 100, that's your, and you've got lots of other stuff going on as well. But have you ever thought about, I know there's lots of races in Hong Kong as well. And it seems like every weekend now there's something going on. But have you ever thought of like branching out and doing anything else, either across the region or helping out of any other race directors? Yeah, we've, I mean, we've been involved a wee bit here and there. So um, we we helped a little bit with UTMR Lizzie Hawker's race in uh, yeah. Rosa, which is a it's a lovely race if you get the chance. Particularly, I heard really good things. Four day stage race is is unmissable. Um, but we yeah Lizzie we would you know, we were privileged to to be invited by her to come and have a little look at the route when she was setting it up because I think the problem she has is she's not a mere mortal she's she's superhuman so she'll do a, a course and think oh yeah this is fine six hour cut off we're, we're all good so she needed some proper mortals to um to come around there and so yeah we we plodded around to kind of say yeah i think 12 hours is is yeah already pretty, ri- pretty tight lizzie um and and so we've been back to uh to volunteer most years at Monte Rosa and we were there again last year and I ran the stage race uh two years ago yeah it's a thing of beauty um and we were involved setting up uh, the Mogenshan Ultra in uh it, it's near Hangzhou um and mm. we're not really involved anymore but we were, we were involved in the initial setup and that was that was really good fun um and so we have you know here and there we'll if somebody asks us we'll usually try and help um but in terms of something more formal than that never really um yeah never really followed anything I, I mean you've got enough keeping you busy with the Hong Kong 100 how many competitors will you be having with you January next year January 2024 like uh there was 2,000 or so 1,800 2,000 this year the, the cap is so it's 1,800 for the 100k 500 for the half 500 for the third those are government imposed caps so uh 2800 i suppose we'll, yeah. we'll be looking to to host um, apart then, from those grand sammers which are going to be going across the uh across the the three and what was the what because what was the largest um attended um a participant list you've had in the past uh well this this is it um okay i Okay, so eighteen hundred is the largest that we that is yeah, that we've ever, yeah, we've we've ever done. At that, we've been capped at that for about eight years now, something like that. So yeah. we've never been we've able to go above one thousand eight hundred. It's only Oxfam Trail Walker which gets up to like the five six thousand or so. Is it Oxfam as far Trail as Walker? We know, yeah, yeah, that's but, right they do it over like there's multiple different start times there as well aren't there so yeah yeah they have a sort of an eight o'clock a ten o'clock a eleven o'clock a one o'clock something like that um, yeah yeah 
Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure, you two. Thank you so much for spending uh, your Friday evening with me. And uh, and uh, I'm sure like the audience loved it as well. But um, yeah, good luck for, for next year. I mean, at least you get a year's worth of planning this time rather than three months. So yeah, and, and um, we're, we're trying to use it already. You know, the, we're, letters are going out to, to various uh, in inverted commas stakeholders to try and get things moving straight away because we we never want to be in that situation again that you know this this year wasn't sustainable honestly yeah i'm sure um you don't need to pull those all-nighters again like coming up yeah. to it this time around but uh but yeah i'm I, i'm sure it'll be a sellout is every year and uh and yeah once again thanks for for everything you do for the community and yeah great to chat with you both not at all. Thank you, Scott, for everything you do for the community and congratulations on smashing Hong Kong 100. It was great seeing you at the finish line. As I say, you did look very fresh, even if you had been uh, in the bushes 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks, Janet. Take care. Thank you, Scott. Cheers, Scott. All the best. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello, Mr. Rick Stockfish. How are you? I'm good, mate. I am uh, officially, what am I, 111th as fit as you after your <laughs> goat challenge. Oh, because you did two laps. I did two, two big laps. You did 22, 20, 22, 21. 22, 22. Yeah. yeah. So this weekend in, in Singapore, there's been the, the Mounting Goat Challenge, which is organised by Ben Swee the uh running guild the race director who he's got some crazy races in his uh in his in his repertoire or like yeah on the on the running guild yeah and they've really caught the imagination here haven't they like there was a lot of stuff like that that we thought perhaps you know kind of had a place during the pandemic but maybe not after but actually the the idea of these sort of you know open windows in which you can compete and uh put your put your name up on the leaderboard of of, uh, had some real staying power yeah, well, I think Craze Ultra is one of his first ones, and then he's like the Shiok 200. They tend to be like really challenging road routes, right. and going through random parts of uh, of Singapore. But uh, of like over the last couple of years, he's he's brought in a few trail races. He does the 88.8, which is actually a really nice course. That, but all of them are you can do off your own back and do Strava, or they tend to be the 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 Craze Ultra is an actual race, yeah. it's like a physical race. But um, but yeah, this mountain goat one was uh yeah I, I followed it last year and there was some you know Jean-Henri who we had on when he did the 200 kilometer um route around Singapore but yeah he he won it last year and uh I thought I'd give it a little go this year yeah and so t- 22 does put you at the top of the leaderboard but it's obviously a final showdown to come yes yeah so uh, the top five females and top five males get to uh have another crack at it i'm not sure if it's exactly the same course i'm waiting to find out over a two-week period and yeah but it was quite fun because quite a few people were out on the like last day i think a lot of people waited to the last day of the month to see what it was that they needed to get into the top five and so myself and chris timms and uh uh, and then derek uh derek lau who was the backyard ultra assist last year that we had on the podcast the three of us were uh dueling it out on the uh on on saturday yeah it was good fun wasn't it lots of familiar faces a little, yeah. a little cameo from abby at one point and yeah abby uh, was around and uh it's just a it, i think it's all about consistency with these kind of like routes 
where you've just got like repeated like same with if you're doing a backyard ultra it's just about consistency making sure that you do the same time and that you just get in a real routine with it and uh, and sort of grind it out but um yeah and i was pretty uh, i was pretty chuffed with uh with, with the effort and like seeing chris who i think is probably one of the top ultra runners in in asia or certainly could be uh he is um he went out i mean he's crazy fast it is he's like a 17 minute 5k runner and he went out like he was running a 5k <laughs> not like he was running a 75k yeah. and uh yeah he ended up uh just like slowing down from halfway a little bit and um yeah i i sort of predicted i kept on saying because you're going back and forth you see each other so many times i'm like what's your heart rate what's your heart rate like s- slow down because uh you know, I wanted to see him smash it as well. And uh, he had set out a plan to do 20 laps at the beginning. And, uh, yeah, and then I think he kind of just uh, started to slow down towards the end and was like, oh, okay, I'm happy with 21 he ended up doing. But he could have squeezed out 22, but I think he was he had cooked himself a little bit. Um, yeah, but you, you certainly seem to be in a pretty good rhythm when I saw you, sort of middle of the day. You had a decent support at the bottom. Um, yeah. Like Gus was helping you out and just like a, it was a bit of a kind of f1 pit stop wasn't it you just in kind of feet up quick wheel change and then back out well yeah i mean i when i saw you i, I had one 10 minute break in 12 hours which is actually not bad going considering it, like, i was literally on my feet for like running the entire rest of the time and yeah gus was just a legend at the bottom so i had sort of a cool box and just getting him to pass literally get down to the bottom Pass me a fresh bottle, ice cold water. Like uh, the challenge was, uh, he kept on trying to force me to eat, and I couldn't <laughs> eat for the last six hours. And I was just, I was just chugging coke basically after I had that ten minute break. And um, yeah, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best fueling strategy, but it tends to be what I do after the second half. I just, uh, yeah, end up moving to coke. But um, but yeah, it was good. Just enjoyed it and. Uh, and felt like, and and really, this all this is just a training session for Hardcore 100 for um, that's going on in May. Now the challenge is that the to do the showdown is the two weeks up until Hardcore 100. So I might have to, yeah, I can probably do it, but I'll need to do, take a day off work and go and I just, yeah, I don't know if I can be, <laughs> I don't know, like doing it all again, but it's. Just, Depends if it's going to be a good training session for hardcore. And yeah, and you, you, it's good. You I mean you're slowly ticking off these absolutely iconic kind of Asia races, right? With your your VMM miler, um, hardcore 100 is a is a big one on the calendar, and then of course Hong Kong 100, as, as we just heard from from Janet and Steve. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean all of this for me is kind of getting ready for four trails next year is the is the the end goal to it but but yeah it's so good to catch up with with janet and steve that's such an iconic race the very first 100k uh individual ultra in um in, in asia and and yeah hearing the genesis around them just running the uh the, i think it was the north face down in australia was the first or um and then yeah and then coming back to hong kong going right let's let's put our own one on um, yeah it's i mean it's easy to look at hong kong now with that trail running scene so well established and it just seems i mean obviously we have our our blinkers on because we know it so well but it just seems almost like a an absolutely integral part of the city these days it's such an important thing and, and a reason that so many people love living there and love visiting but yeah it's easy to forget that that wasn't always the case and you know yeah well i mean it 
wasn't in terms of individual, but you've got Oxfam Trailwalker as we talked yeah. about was just the it was, was the sort of the the original for the whole scene in in the region. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and VMM, which uh, which I mean, I'm planning to go back up to this year in September. I know that they're just taking in entries for Vietnam Jungle Marathon at the moment, but but VMM in September that will be the tenth edition of that. So that's pretty one one of the earlier hundred yep. uh, k. Um, in fact, I don't think they had hundred k initially, did they? It might have only been about seventy or so for the for the first round of VMM, but um, certainly it was a longer distance. Uh, and so yeah, I think that and TMBT, and we've just got some really cool um, cool races here, which. Uh, um, which is good to see, like um, them still putting on and uh, yeah. I mean that that calendar is pretty full again, isn't it? Which is great to see. It's yeah. just um, it's hard to kind of keep up, but there's been some some great performances recently. And yeah, well, um, I mean, talking about Hong Kong and these uh, iconic races, I think Lantau Seventy is also one of the the first uh, individual longer distance races, and that went on this weekend. And uh, it was part of the Asia Trail Master, and yeah, Jeff Campbell is just smashing it at the moment. Got the third, I think, the third fastest time in history with just sub eight hours, seven seven fifty or something, and was uh, was racing uh, against Sherpa as well, who was who's been up in Hong Kong for a couple of weekends, or for, uh, yeah, or uh, for yeah, a he won weeks. the he won the Chorus Chorus yeah, fifty, didn't Chorus he? fifty, yeah, and he with Samaya like finishing just a minute behind him like what an incredible run that she put in she's so that's such a good runner but um from the North Face Adventure team but yeah this weekend Jeff Campbell and then Sherpa came in second and then the ATM winner Arnie McInerramus Mac- yeah uh, yeah he uh, he came in third, and I think that's the first time he's ever raced in Hong Kong. Actually, it was this, and so he was a bit shocked by the number of steps, as I think most people are when they first get to Hong Kong. Um, but yeah, off of his home turf, which is Mount Apo, which is where he won the race. But obviously, a brilliant runner to to come in third and the first time racing overseas. Yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it's just great having them all back and uh, seeing some of these performances again. So. Looking forward to many more in the weeks to come. Yeah, well, you're uh, you're not going to be here to witness them, though, mate. Well, I'll be following along, but hopefully using the uh, using the Spanish trails to get ready for uh, some races later in the year, and, and you know, if we can, if we can make it work, perhaps a, perhaps a reunion up at VMM. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the the last time we'll probably be recording an outro in person together for um for for, for a, a while. while yeah. yeah. Uh, we we might get some other like uh, special guests as well to do some in person ones as well. But now we'll d- still do some um, some uh, over over calls. But yeah, man, it's kind of like an end of an era for uh, for 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 you in Asia. But I'm sure you'll be travelling back a lot for work and stuff still, right? Yeah, so. it's a new chapter. I mean, it's 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 a shame having been injured for the last couple of years. But it's been you know it was great to get back out on my feet with you over the weekend, and you know a shame not to get out for a few more races before I leave. But at least at least things are moving in the right direction and. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's an exciting time, and we'll be back. So, yeah. Well, mate, you're in good shape. You know, those fifty days of uh, of running every single day. That well, yeah, a bit of, a bit of consistency. Back. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that, weren't we? Like it was only five k or a minimum of five k a day, but I actually found it quite an interesting exercise, just in consistency, because it does it, by knowing. And if you know you have to run, it kind of takes away some of the decision making around it and yeah. it just it therefore becomes a bit easier you yeah. just somehow find the time whether you thought you had the time or not um 
I think there's some downsides to it as well. That it, you know, it forces you to go out when perhaps you wouldn't have done. Perhaps you, you know, you need to rest. But I mean, not at that kind of distance. So, um, well, no, interesting you say that because uh, Roman Roman Grillo, who, who, who runs the, pretty much every day, he, right? He has he's up to a thousand now. Actually, I think he's always at yeah. eleven. Um, anyway, he's o- over a thousand. Uh, um, yeah, I need to. Fi- I'll have to. I have to find. Um, uh, finally, but yeah, someone mentioned to me that he's actually cracked the uh, cracked the thousand. That's amazing, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's cool to actually see his uh, Strava photo as he's wearing an Endurance Asia T-shirt as well. Good man, <laughs> good man. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. I, once you got to the fifty, though, you were like, okay, I'm done. have you have you still been trying to keep? Um, no, no. I mean, I think that I think that's the thing. Right? I purposely broke the boat the the street just so that um, I didn't feel the pressure to keep continuing because I think that's the danger that then you you know then you're in. You know, it's amazing what Roman's done, but then the the danger is you're going to force yourself to go out when perhaps you shouldn't. Um, well, he's still managed to do it even when he's been sick or yeah. has been uh, or, or has been injured. He's still like gone out for like walks or something yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. But it just it gets your body used to it. And um, I mean, look, yeah, yeah, slow and short streak run, fighting a stomach bug. So he still goes out yeah, and does a just three, fifteen minutes, yeah, a three k run with a stomach bug. Yeah, eleven hundred and eighty, or he must be eleven hundred and eighty two. He's on now. Bloody That's pretty amazing. Mental. What a dude. What's that three? three and a half years or something that's crazy yeah uh good stuff mate it's been an absolute joy doing this over the last four years with you that's and, been uh, good hasn't it we'll uh we'll, we'll continue to to be putting out there and uh and yeah still to get um get some outros and stuff as well but yeah safe travels and i will definitely come and join you on one of the uh one of the courses in uh in, in europe soon for yeah sure. we'll see you out on the trails so yeah yeah thanks for having me on scott it's been uh it's been an absolute pleasure cheers Tell the truthful story if they ever ask Stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad